So today, we are concluding our study through the book of Ephesians. It has been a blessing. It's an incredible book, packed full of so much great doctrine, great hope and promises. And I, I don't know about you guys, I've enjoyed studying with you all. And uh, in these final verses here, we get to see really a beautiful summary of these words of the book of Ephesians, of this letter. Paul, in these final verses, concludes his letter, and we will conclude our study. Paul, just before this, challenges the church to pray, right? In, and in their prayer, that they would remember him. He says, hey, pray for me. You should pray, and you should not stop praying, and as you are always praying, please mention me in your prayers, because Paul, at the time here, is in chains, but he's not even asking for prayer for his deliverance, right? And we studied this a couple weeks ago, but he's asking for prayer that he would fulfill the calling that God has called him to as an ambassador, wearing those chains around his wrist and around his neck as adornment, as jewelry in bondage to the gospel, And here on the heels of that and asking for this prayer, he also is giving a picture into informed prayer. He doesn't just say, hey, well, just pray for me and make it pretty general in this prayer. But he's very specific already. We studied that. And further to bring out the specifics, he sends a dear friend, a beloved brother, as it says here in verse 21. He says, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will, be, will make all things known to you. Now, so that you may know my affairs, so that you can be informed in your prayers, I'm sending someone to inform you, an informant, so to speak, right? And, and so that you may know how I'm doing, what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, and, and even to verify what's going on in Paul's life and in Paul's ministry, and even to, to bring some hope and encouragement along the way. This is done so by Tychicus, even that name. So you know how there's disagreements in Scripture over theology and doctrine? The, the pronunciation of this name is a disagreement. I heard four different versions this morning as I was trying to, like, well, how do you say this name? I landed on Tychicus, and, and Vinny came and asked me, hey, what did you land on? I told him, so we're on the same page, right? So I might be way off, but we're going to go with that. It doesn't really matter much in the application of the word of God, but we're going to try to translate that to our English the best we can here. But Paul sends uh, Tychicus, so that this word of encouragement could be given of how Paul's doing, what's going on in Paul's life, what's going on in Paul's ministry, that, that they could have informed prayer. In- information brings intelligent prayer. That they would be able to gather this information. And guys, that is so valuable to be informed about prayer. So valuable to know how to pray for one another in the body of Christ. 
in our built life group this week, we, we sat and we shared on that topic even of how valuable it is that we hear from each other, what's going on? What do you need prayer for? Not just the general things, not just the unspoken, right? Sometimes, hey, what do you need prayer for? Ah, just unspoken. You know, what are you not willing to admit what's going on in your life? We can bear one another's burdens. We can encourage one another in prayer. It's so valuable to be informed on how we can be praying for one another. So a real practical thing for you guys, if you haven't yet downloaded the Cornerstone Church app, I encourage you to do that. Not right now, please. But after church, if you need help, stop by the info counter. Somebody would be glad to help you do that. And if you go on there, you can, open, you can actually start an account and have an account where you can be interacting via messaging and there's a prayer channel on there. If you're already on the app and you have an account and you haven't joined the prayer channel yet, do it because then you could be informed in your prayer. This is just using modern technology to fulfill the purpose of the, of the church, Right? And Paul, in his intent here, is saying this is the purpose of the church, starting here at the very beginning of the church, and saying it's so important that we be informed about how to pray for each other. We don't want to just pass by each other in the foyer or in the parking lot or in the sanctuary and say, Have a nice day, have a nice week, we'll see you next week but we can be laboring in prayer for each other and we can be informed about what's going on in each other's lives. Stop, drink some coffee together, encourage each other in prayer, ask for prayer, tell people this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm dealing with. Because it's important for the body of Christ to be informed in our prayers. Further, we see Tychicus, a a companion to Paul at various times, and he's a messenger of Paul at various times. And that's what we're seeing here. He was a messenger. He He was the messenger boy. He was the United States Postal Service of that day, right? He was the mailman. He was delivering this letter, but with a personal encounter with the man who wrote the letter. Much in the same way that Paul says he is an ambassador of the gospel, right? He's an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Tychicus also is an ambassador. He's an ambassador pretty realistically of Paul, but certainly also bound to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tychicus, Paul calls him, A beloved brother. Beloved, a man who understands and walks in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And and, and allowing the love of Jesus to flow through him in ministry to others. He's a man that he's a vessel being used by God because of the love of Jesus Christ. He's beloved. He's a brother. This speaks of a dear relationship between Paul and Tychicus. You understand that great bonds are formed within the body of Christ. Incredible bonds are formed within this. And some of you look around the room and you're like, yeah, I'm thinking of those people. 
And, and we've, we've started these built life groups, and if you don't know what they are, stop by the info counter and talk to somebody about a built life group because we put these together so that we can have real interaction in each other's lives, and we can encourage each other in the word of the Lord, and we can encourage each other in prayer. But we do that so that we can create bonds within the body of Christ. There's so much comfort and love to be shared together in the church. And Paul and Tychicus are an example of exactly that. There are great bonds created. This is the family of God. And we've talked about it, we've studied through, and again, this is all summing up things that we have studied in depth throughout the book of Ephesians. But we talked about these bonds, we talked about the family of God and the glory that there is in the family of God, the strength in numbers, the encouragement, the blessing, the challenging sometimes. Paul already spoke on the unity of the church and we studied that. And now he has an example of brotherly love for the church to see in this relationship between him and Tychicus. Further even than the bonds that are formed between brothers and sisters in Christ, there's even greater bonds formed through laboring together in the ministry. I've been on many missions trips in my life. And when you go on a missions trip, you're together for maybe, you know, seven to 10 days. And in those seven to 10 days, when you're sweating together and you're laboring together and you're working hard together, by the end of that trip, those people are family because you've labored together in the Lord. In the church, in the modern day church, we get to practice the same thing. And sometimes we just put it off until the next missions trip. We'll say, oh yeah, I'll do that someday. I'll get to do that. You get to do that every single week if you like. We have those opportunities here. And so I encourage you, serve the Lord together. Husband and wives, you can serve together and it will strengthen your marriage. I encourage you, do that. And some of you husbands and wives that look around the room, you're like, yeah, we serve together. It's awesome. Some of you are like, sometimes it's challenging. But it's amazing because you're building a greater bond under the blood of Jesus Christ as part of the body of Christ. And this is an opportunity that we have. This isn't a, this isn't a, a call to say, we need more help. This is a call to say, be obedient to the word of God. Serve the Lord. And serve the Lord together. That you would build up and strengthen the bonds that there are between brothers and sisters in Christ as we co-labor in the Lord and in the ministry together. In serving together, we get to see God's grace and gifts active in one another. We can learn to appreciate the gifts that God has given to each person in the body. And we grow together in unity as we see what our brothers and sisters have to offer the body of Christ. Further, Tychicus is called a faithful minister. This phrase translates to an active servant. 
That's what he is. He's an active servant. He was dedicated to the work of the ministry. And his sole ambition was to be useful in relieving Paul's restrictions. Paul was chained. Paul couldn't go to Ephesus. Paul couldn't go to a lot of places, but he wrote letters. And Tychicus was one of the guys who went and delivered the letters to the church. His ambition was to help in breaking those bonds that Paul had, the physical bonds that Paul had, restricting him from going. Tychicus could still go. Paul had limitations, but Tychicus was faithful to partner with Paul to maintain what Paul had established in these churches. These titles, a beloved brother and a faithful minister, these are titles of nobility in the kingdom of God. Would we strive for the same titles? Or are we so worried about other titles? We're so worried about other labels sometimes in life, some of which are not godly at all. Maybe it's a title or a position in your workplace. Maybe it's, it's a title in, of respect in the home that you're looking for. Maybe it's among your peers or friends. Maybe it is in the church that you're longing for a title of authority and position, but what a faithful man, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful servant. Let's start there. Each and every one of us, let's start there to be given those titles. Beloved brothers and sisters and faithful ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be given a title to be faithful. You don't have to be given a title to walk in love. We continue on verse 22. It says, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Now we get into Tychicus in his purpose for being sent. Why did Paul send him? Well, Paul sent him as an informant, right? To make all things known. It said in verse 21 and now verse 22, for this purpose that you may know our affairs, So this is regarding Paul and Tychicus and their ministry and their partnership in ministry together. And this was one of the churches, the church of Ephesus, that they had partnered in focusing on the ministry to Ephesus together. And they each had their role, but now, so the purpose is to be an informant to that, that they would share in their needs, that they would share in their sufferings, that they would share in their victories, in all of it. He was an advocate for the ministry. I don't know if the ministry had a name, but he was an advocate for the ministry. And further, he was sent to comfort their hearts, because it is so needed. The church needs to be comforted. The church takes a beating, guys. The church is under attack, and there are so many things 
that can discourage us, that could drive us to fear. But Paul sees that in the church and he sends this messenger not just with, hey, here's a letter, read it, have a nice day, I'll see you later. But as a comforter, as a tool of the Holy Spirit, gifted to do such and sent to be that comforter because the church needs comfort because we're up against it because we go through much pain and suffering and and Paul going through his own extreme levels of pain and suffering physically emotionally mentally Paul went through it. The Bible indicates that Paul dealt, struggled with depression, that Paul struggled physically. I mean, Paul went through it. He was beaten time after time to near death. That has a serious effect on a man. And yet, he, he's in his place of understanding hurt, of understanding pain, he sends comfort to the church. Of Ephesus. A letter can be great encouragement, especially now. Nobody gets letters anymore, right? Even this time of year, it's so exciting to get the Christmas cards in the mail, right? You're like, it's real mail. It's not a bill and it's not an advertisement. If it's not one of those things, we're in great shape, you know, but it's a Christmas card. It's wonderful. It's encouraging. You get to see how people, you know, and their kids have grown and they have pets and all the fun things that are going on. But even better than that is an actual letter of encouragement to read, right? Even better than that, how about a companion to the letter that shows up and says, here's a letter, now let's hang out. Here's a letter, hand-delivered, let me encourage you. It's not just sent through the mail. But in the world today, we have so far removed ourselves from it, and we'll just quickly send a text message or an email or post something on social media, and that's it. Have a nice day. There's no personal touch anymore, right? This was above and beyond the personal touch. And that indicates how much Paul was invested in the church of Ephesus. And as we know, this letter was sent out in circulation. And even to this day, how, much, how encouraging is that to us? The care and the attention, the deep doctrine that's put into every line of this letter and the, and the hand-delivered approach with the investment that goes with it the relationship that goes with it. An ambassador, a friend, and a co-laborer in ministry shows up to encourage. It's always so encouraging when we get to have even a, a guest speaker come, right, from another church, and they teach, and, and it's encouraging because it's like an ambassador representing somebody else, another church, or, or I've gotten to go teach at a couple different churches this year, and even last week, I was up in Newark at the Rock Christian Fellowship, right? Pastor Ray Dash, who we know and love, and as he invited me to come, I'm bringing you guys with me, right? I didn't physically bring you guys with me, but you guys are with me, and I get to greet them for Cornerstone Church. And they send their greeting back to Cornerstone Church. 
There's a personal touch. Even last week, the Lord is so faithful, guys, to bring comfort to his people. Last week, the Lord knew the right place, the right time. I was up in Newark at the Rock, and I get a text message right after the service from one of our sisters here in the church. It says, hey, you guys know uh, Jim we've been praying for. If you're on the prayer channel, Jim Lorita. And he's in the hospital, Beth Israel, in Newark. And I hadn't put it together. I'm focused on teaching on Sunday. And, and she texts and says, hey, just a thought. You're in Newark, and Jim's in Newark, and what do you think? I'm like, amen. This is amazing. I get to go visit him in the hospital right here down the road. And you know what? You guys didn't get to go visit him, but I brought you with me. I brought your, your love and support and prayers, and, and he, they know it. They believe it. You're all with them. And we're praying for him as he's in the hospital. What great comfort there is in the representative, in the person being present. And it's just a challenge to us as we're working out things in the body of Christ and, and we want to encourage each other, be present for each other. Be involved in each other's lives. You see, that's so much of what Paul talks about through his letter and that's so much of the example that there is in his relationship with Tychicus and then sending him to the church of Ephesus as the messenger, as a representative. And God is answering prayers, guys. Jim Lorita has led two nurses to the Lord this week. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. He texted me the other day. He's like, I guess I know why I'm here. Keep him in your prayer. Keep Deb in your prayer as well. But, you know, Paul sends this comfort, too, because he knows that, that they miss each other. There's relationship between Paul and the, church, uh, the, the elders of the church of Ephesus specifically. And the last time they said goodbye, Acts chapter 20 tells us that they wept. They feared for Paul's life. Because he told him, yeah, I'm going to go suffer, guys. It's cool. I'm going to Jerusalem. There's going to be persecution. And I'm beyond that, too. There's going to be persecution. It's just the way it is. Now he's faced persecution. He's locked up. And they're weeping with him and for him. And so he knows there needs to be comfort for that. Paul sends this comfort. Now we move on. Verse 23. In the closing here of this letter, this isn't just a general closing to a letter. Yes, Paul would use some of these same words, but his heart is so invested in the people, and there's so much doctrine here that is summed up in these final words. Verse 23 and 24, peace to the brethren in love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. You see, Paul sums up his heart for the church of Ephesus. And truly, this is God's heart for the church. This is the inspired word of God. These words are God-breathed, given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Paul wrote those words, and we have those words today. So this is God's heart for the church. Peace. Grace, love, and faith. 
These four words so well sum up the book of Ephesians. Peace. The Hebrew greeting, shalom. Grace, the Gentile or the Greek greeting, charis. Love and faith. The Christian greeting. The new race. The new people. As we studied in this book, in this letter to the church of Ephesus, Paul talks about a new people No longer a wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, but a new people who are of Christ, of the way, is a word they used then. And we have the label to this day, it's Christians. This is the Christian greeting, love and faith. A great quote by John Phillips on this topic, and these words are so poetic, I had to share them with you guys. He says, peace. Grace, love, faith, these words will ring on the chimes of time until at last earth's shores recede and we stand amid the scenes of glory and lay our armor down. Until grace gives way to glory, until faith gives way to sight, until love's vast oceans fill all horizons and bathes our souls with bliss. Paul sums up his heart for the church and those words so well describe this journey of faith, walking with Jesus. He says peace to the brethren. Guys, in this world we are at war. There is a battle going on. We just studied a lot about the battle here in Ephesians chapter six. The reality of that battle the difficulty of that battle that the devil keeps after us, right? And we've studied that for a few weeks now leading up to this. But we're at war with the enemy. We are not at war with the brethren. We are not at war with the church, with the body of Christ. And Paul makes that very clear in his summation of this letter saying, peace among the brethren. And a part of that peace is unity among the brethren, as we studied here in Ephesians. Love among the brethren. We may not agree on everything. In fact, we're definitely not going to agree on everything. Like I told you before, people can't even agree on how to pronounce Tychicus or Tychicus or other things that I can't pronounce. There's so many things that we could disagree on in life, in the world, and in church, but we are not at war with the body of Christ. As believers in Jesus, we're not at war with each other, guys. We may even have differences of doctrine and philosophy and ministry, but as believers in Jesus Christ, we are under the blood of Christ and we are not at war with each other because the battle has already been won and we fight from the position of victory, which as we talked about two weeks ago, is on our knees. So yeah, we, we may not agree, but we are able to be at peace among the body of Christ. We need 
unity, to be at peace with each other, to wage the war that is going on with the enemy. And as Paul sums up his thoughts, he reminds the church of the importance of unity among the church. Further, he says, and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So important to see that these two things go hand in hand. Love with faith. You see, love is the source. Faith is the action. It starts with a love relationship with Jesus Christ, and the faith is the action, putting that love into action, right? Love reached down to us. Faith reaches up to God. Love is the beginning and the end. Faith is in between. Love is God's hand reaching out and faith is taking hold of it. Love provides all we need. Faith uses what we've been given. Further, Paul talks about grace. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul closes this letter the same way that he started it. Grace. I said this when we started our study in Ephesians back in February of this year. Grace needs to be the starting point of all the doctrine to be unfolded in Ephesians. Because grace is the starting point of understanding doctrine. Now further, it's the end point. And you may have noticed throughout this study, through these six chapters, that grace is all throughout this letter of Ephesians is about grace. The Bible is about grace. It's Christmas time, right? Christmas is a story of grace. The gospel is a story of grace. God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor that gives us the opportunity to tap into the wealth of God's riches. And, and as we've seen throughout this book of Ephesians, he is rich in grace and mercy. We have talked all about God's economy, which is outside of our time and space. And his economy is about eternity. And in that realm, it's all grace and mercy. Those are the, that's the wealth of his riches. And he spends it on people. He spends his riches on people. On you and me. That's how much he loves us. Grace is the starting point and it's the end point and grace leads us through it all. I'm reminded of the well-known hymn, Amazing Grace. I'll just read one of the verses. There are many. 
But I was reminded of this verse as I was studying through this. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Grace is the beginning. It's grace that leads us. It's grace that brings us home. And further, I'm always reminded of Titus chapter 2 when we talk about grace. As it's written there in Titus 2, 11 to 14, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. There's so many things that grace does, and it's just in those few verses in Titus, here's a few. Grace teaches us. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we would live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So also then, Grace changes us. And it starts out to say that grace, the grace of God has appeared to all men. The appearance of the grace of God is Jesus Christ himself. And so there's a Christmas verse for you, Titus 2.11. The grace of God has appeared to all men. It's Jesus. So when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the grace of God. When we celebrate life and living every single day, we celebrate the grace of God. When we celebrate Easter, we celebrate the grace of God that gives us the gift of eternal life, right? Truly everything, guys, it comes back to grace. It has appeared. Jesus has appeared. Grace teaches us. It changes us. Further here, it tells us that grace gives us hope. It's only the goodness of God that brings hope to man. And Ephesians, as we studied earlier on here in Ephesians, that we are without hope without God. There is no hope without God in the world. And so the appearance of Jesus brings this hope. Grace brings hope. Grace leads us. Grace protects us. As we live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, grace redeems us. It says that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify us. So further than grace purifies us. Think of the riches of grace. It's a a single word for us, a simple word for us, but we forget it so easily. And in that word, there's such great promise. There's so much that God can do by grace. And as Ephesians says, it's by grace that we are 
saved. By grace you are saved. He repeats it. He shouts it out in the letter. By grace you are saved. And Paul gives us a picture of who we are apart from Christ, who we were, dead in our trespasses and sins. But further to say, but God. By grace you have been saved. Grace, peace, love, and faith come from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need grace. If you don't think that you need grace, then you need humility first. We need Jesus. Every single one of us, we are desperate for Jesus. That his grace would change us and redeem us, purify us. And further, as Paul closes, he says, in sincerity. This isn't just Paul saying, like signing a letter, sincerely, Paul. In sincerity, this phrase means without corruption. Our faith in Jesus is to be incorruptible because his love and grace is incorruptible. The peace that he has established on earth and in heaven is incorruptible. He's already done the work and already established it. We constantly get confused. He's done the work, he's completed the work of salvation. And our faith in Jesus is to be incorruptible along with his love and grace. And here Paul leaves us with a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity with an incorruptible faith. Those who have an incorruptible love relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're real about your faith, if you're real about your relationship with Jesus Christ, then Paul is saying, grace be with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Paul's presenting the opportunity. Hey, grace can be with you through a love relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I leave you with this. You should seriously consider it. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you should consider it sincerely. Take it seriously. This is not something to be taken lightly. We're talking about eternity. And so often we will pray a prayer and label ourselves and leave it at that. We'll put the name Christian on us and we'll leave it at that. We'll come to church on Sunday thinking that that is some sort of fulfillment of our Christian duty. It's essential to Christian living but this is not a duty. It's an opportunity.
to have an intimate, personal relationship with the creator of the universe, the light of the world, full of grace and mercy, rich in grace and mercy. And when we recognize how desperate we are for grace, then we will come to a place of worship and understanding that there is truly nothing else worth living for. For the last like month and a half, I've been reminded of the words of the song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This Christmas season and truly every single day, look to Jesus. Because when we see his glory and grace for what it is, we will bow down and worship and live every moment of every day in the light of eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, we are desperate for you. Lord, I pray here and now that every person in this room and any person that's watching online would be reminded of how desperate we are. that we would recognize how much we need you and we need your grace, that we are unworthy, or that we would surrender, that we would bow down in worship, in adoration to you because of who you are, because of what you've done, because the work is finished.